All right. So, you doing all right? Feel encouraged? Hallelujah. It's good to be encouraged. It's good to be mad at the devil, too. Amen. Jesus was a faith preacher. He didn't only preach faith, but that's one of the things he did, isn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He spoke to things, spoke to storms. Every time he corrected his disciples, it was always having to do with not believing, hardness of heart. If you read Apostolic Strategies, one of the things Dr. Jonathan talks about is that we're not in a new race. This is a continuation. It's only when we think in terms of, I'm apostolic, I'm prophetic. This year at GLS, which is Global Leadership Summit, uh, Dr. Jonathan's good friend, Pastor Tony Bakari from Nigeria, he asked everyone, how would you describe your church? Is it an apostolic church, an order of Melchizedek church, a, you know, prophetic church? And at the end of the day, what we should describe it as, the thing that should come to mind is a powerful church. And Pastor Brian's been saying he's been ministering on the supernatural church. So it's, it's supernatural, it's powerful. Amen? So it's only the carnal mind or the immaturity which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you still not carnal? You're babes in Christ. You're unspiritual. Because when one says, I'm of Apollos, when one says, I'm of Paul, and I'm of Cephas, I'm the word of faith, and I'm prophetic, and I'm apostolic, that's all the wrong way of thinking because this is not a new race. This is a continuation of a race. So if I say Jesus was a faith preacher and it bothers you, it just helps me understand where you're, where you're camping around. Amen? Because he was a faith preacher. He did everything by faith. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So God is what? Talk to me. God is love. So you can speak with the tongues of men and angels and not have God. Is that what your Bible says? If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. God is love. So you can have prophecy, you can have mysteries, all knowledge, not have God, not have love. Is that what it says? It says, if I have all faith, in verse 2, so as to remove mountains. So he says, mountain-moving faith. So who told you faith only works by love? That's why it's mechanical. The difference is you only get credit for faith that works through love. Do you understand what I mean? Look at this. 
I have the gift, if I have the gift of prophecy and, not, and know all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So the motivation for everything we do should be love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Love is the motivating factor. But you can still get things done without love. There's a faith that works with love, and there's faith that works without love. That is to say, I can, by faith, get something done in your life, but if my motive is not right, it will still, the miracle could still, ha- still happen, but I won't get credit for it. John Alexander Dowie, it's interesting because talk about miracles, talk about a governing apostolic church. I mean, at one point in time, all of Chicago was in this man's hand. You couldn't even get elected without his approval. Now this is, granted, this is 100 years ago. It was significantly smaller. But he had a church of 10,000 people. And every person was sent out. You hear me? Every person sent out two by two to preach the gospel. Every home in Chicago had two people from Zion Church come and preach the gospel and, and minister healing. Every person. Every single home in Chicago. He was arrested over a hundred times for practicing medicine without a license. Severely persecuted. But he endured. And because he endured, the police started getting saved. But you know what? He had some strange doctrine. I'm not talking about at the end. I'm talking about when he was on. He had extremes. He was way, really severely against alcohol. That in the prohibition era that came from really from America land of the free all right so forget the alcohol thing just put that aside all right but here's the thing his daughter okay well you, this isn't the context of alcohol so you can't drink alcohol that's what he that's what he taught tobacco all that of course but the thing is he was so extreme you couldn't at that time you couldn't even use it to burn your lamp because it was filled with that kind of alcohol. But God was doing miracles through him. So sometimes our doctrine's not exactly right, but God will still use us. He was so extreme that his daughter had a lamp filled with his alcohol so she could see. She wasn't drinking. This is alcohol in the lamp. Accident happened, it tipped over, and she burned. And you know what he said? You disobeyed me, I will not pray for you until you repent. Now, I can't even comprehend that as a father. I think that's totally wrong. I think it's totally extreme. But my point is, there's an element of power that's mechanical. When the guy opened his mouth and prayed, God answered. Faith. So you have the option. Faith working with love. Faith without love. Dowie wouldn't even pray for people unless they got saved. So I'm not praying for you unless you get born again.
But Luke 10 says, go in the city, heal the sick there in. Then say to them. But he didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't believe that. But God still moved. I'm not saying it was right. I'm saying that we have to understand this stuff. Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse 12. See, what what you believe sets the standard. It sets the boundary or the extent at which God can move. Like in the old days... You know, you prayed, you pleaded the blood of Jesus, right? You got in the car, I plead the blood. Do you guys say that here? It's big in Chicago, pleading the blood. It's like Dr. Jonathan says, if God answered your prayer, it would be a bloody car because, you know, the blood over the wheels and the blood over the, over the steering wheel and the blood on the seat. And so when you don't do that, then something bad happens. But why did it happen? Because you believe that. You set the standard. But if you believe what First John says, as we walk in the light, as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, covers us, protects us from all sin. Do you remember how I told you about the girl that her eyes were put out? I want to touch on this before we look at Matthew. This is important because we've, we've talked about dominion. We've talked about subduing. We've talked about how God has set up the earth and that there are opposing forces in this world. Let thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means God's will is not being done. That means there are forces that are resisting his will and the reason they're able to resist his will is not because they're more powerful than God but just because they fell. I'm talking about fallen angels now. Just because they fell doesn't mean they lost their position. Their position in heaven, yes, but there are, they were given jurisdiction. Do you understand? There's something called the legend of the watcher angels. How many have ever heard that before? Watcher angels. Okay, there's, it's, it's just, I'm not saying it's biblical, but I think there's some truth in it. And basically it's said when God created the angels... For every natural thing that was created, there was an angel in the spirit realm that was over that particular thing. So there's, he creates the sun, there's an angel in charge of the sun. He creates the moon, there's an angel in charge of the moon, and so on. Now, whether or not that's true is not relevant. What's relevant is the concept that we're living in a world where there are unseen forces, and if you're not clear in your mind that everything that happens is not necessarily God's will, then you're not going to resist that. If you're not clear on what the will of God is, you're not going to know what to receive and what to resist. See, most people think God's sovereignty is God's fickleness. God's not fickle. God is not confused. Amen? He says, Beloved, don't be deceived. All good gifts 
all perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. God does not send good and evil. Sickness is not good. There's nothing good about it. There's nothing good about death, disease, or anything. That's from the devil. That's from a fallen world. Are you hearing that? Matthew 7, verse 12. Therefore, however you want people to treat you, however you want people to treat you, so treat them. For this is the law and the prophets. I'm in Matthew seven twelve. However you want people to treat you. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the whole law and all the prophets. Are you with me, guys? Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And many are those who enter by it. What is the narrow gate? Not heaven. Verse 12 is the narrow gate. He just told you what it is, however you want people to treat you. So if you were sick and you needed help, would you want someone to set you free? Yes. So do that to others. That is the narrow gate. Doing unto others. Loving others. Showing kindness to others. Not just being kind, but doing everything in your power as a believer to minister to people. Hello? Verse 14, for the gate is small, the way is narrow that leads to life. Few are those who find it. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in pastor's clothing. No, sheep's clothing. So there's more false prophets in the pew than in the pulpit. Inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. You see that? Sheep's clothing. I've heard more bad sermons and bad prophecies. So people have a, you know, they get they get hung up with stuff. All right, let's you're not connecting. Let's just keep moving. Verse sixteen. You know you'll know them by the fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. Are they? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. So fruits are not gifts. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you'll know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's his will? Do unto others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? So did they prophesy in his name? Yes, without love. In your name we cast out many demons, but they did it without Love. God is love. They did it without God. They learned technology. They had faith working without love. And in your name, perform many miracles. Then he says, I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's go back to the scripture we were in last night. We'll open up a few things and we'll have our lunch. Hallelujah. I'm back in Matthew 7.21. is one of the scriptures we brought out anyway. In verse 28, if you want to title this section, we're going to call it Children versus Mature Sons. Children versus Mature Sons. 
Your child is your child no matter what. You may not be happy with what they do, but you're happy with them. You've got to make that shift in your mind. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The devil will work overtime to get you sin conscious, to get you... He'll imitate the wrath of God. He goes around like a roaring lion, gets you to think God's not pleased with you. What are you doing? You're back in a religious ism. I'm attaining. I'm striving. I'm doing this Old Testament mentality. I'm telling you. I'm saying the same thing in different ways so you get it. I'm not saying we shouldn't want to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But God doesn't hate you. Two of you said amen. I said God doesn't hate you. He loves you. Do you believe He loves you? Okay. 21, 28. Matthew, what do you think? This is Jesus asking you a question. What do you think? A man had two children. He came to the first and said, Child, go work today in the vineyard. He answered and said, I will go, sir. But he didn't go. And he came to the second and said the same thing. But he answered and said, I will not go. And yet afterwards he regretted it and went. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the latter. Matthew twenty-one twenty-eight. Write down number one. It's okay, we have CDs. Just everybody relax. All right. God's in a good mood, right? Behold the goodness and severity of God. That's not what it says, I'm just telling you. That's a concept. That's a word. Number one, you're a child till you go to work. You are a child. You're a spiritual child. You'll remain carnal. You'll be considered a babe in Christ until you go to work. You see that there? He had two children. He's trying to get both of them to grow up and go to work. One said, I'm going to go, One said, and he didn't go. One said, I'm not going to go, and then he went. So as long as you're in the house or you're living with mom and dad, you're not paying the bills, you could be 40 years old, you're still a kid. Come on, somebody. You could be in church for 30 years. Hallelujah. But you're not doing this stuff, then it's time to make a shift. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's define what the work is, because we don't want to just make a statement. We want to show you how to put the seals on the engine. Amen? 1 John 3, 8. We've quoted this scripture, but let's look at it. This is going to be the first aspect of work. What does it mean to work? If you're a child, do you go to work? Then what is the work? 3 verse 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. Not the one who makes a mistake. The one who practices sin. For the devil sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the first job you have. You need to get busy looking to pick a fight with the devil. Get busy. Look for it. Destroy the works of the devil. Your job and my job is to go around and whatever doesn't look like heaven, we're supposed to start to fix it. 
That's a command. You have pre-permission to do it. You have the name of Jesus to do it. You have the Spirit of God. He wants you to use His Spirit, and He wants us as a body and as individuals to start to engage the enemy. And that's not just shouting at Him in prayer. There's not two armies. We're going to get each other. At some point, you have to engage Him. And when that happens, all your plans go out the window. When you're trained in the army, you will train how you fight. But when you actually meet the enemy head on, there's a switch that happens in your thinking. You go from conscious thinking to what they call cognitive thinking. Which means you're not thinking. You are instinctually acting. Even in a fight, they say in martial arts, I heard Curry say this. That let's say we're fighting, and you know he was talking to me about the red kangaroos around here. They're pretty intimidating, right? They're pretty big, the kangaroos. So if you're going to box one, if you're going to fight one, okay, I just love this stuff. Like, oh yeah, you know, you see this in the movies, you know. I want to go fight a kangaroo, you know how? Now this is probably a really bad example, but it's still it's still fun. You'll get the point. It's probably better. It's probably better to do it. Let's make it a person, okay? That was just fun, free. Now you're going to fight a person. You're you you have an enemy. Let's say, let's say you're walking somewhere at night and you get mugged. You say mugged. So someone jumps you and they're going to mug you. Now what happens is that aggressor, that enemy, has a mentality. I'm going to attack you. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to hurt you. The thief comes but to steal, kill, destroy. That's his mode of operation. That's his MO. Right? But what happens is, if, if Pastor Brian was a mugger, he's going to attack me. And he wouldn't do it. So let's, say, let's, say, let's say he's going to attack me, right? And then as he's attacking me, because he's aggressive, he's expecting me to take it. I actually had this happen in church once. I had a guy attack me. Oh, you, this is an even better example. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So we're graduating, all right? I was in this church in Miami, and I tell you, I have never experienced a place where there were so many witches and false prophets in one place. From the moment I walked in the door, I just started rebuking people. I didn't even know anyone. I just walked in. I, I just pointed to the lady. I said, you're a witch. And Veronica was like, <laughs> the pastor was like, <laughs> I said, you're a witch. You're going to hell. You're, I'm just like, just, I start operating. I'm like, Lord, what's wrong with me? What's, you know, why am I doing this? And it turned out she really was a witch. This lady was a witch, and everybody knew it, and no one dealt with it. I mean, can you imagine? It's like. There was another guy, he, he, uh, he was a rich man in the church. In fact, they were all rich, and none of them were tithing. All making six figures a year. None of them were tithing, none of them were giving offerings. And I'm like, why did God put me in this thing, man? So I, I'm just... The, 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 their introduction to me was, they're singing, the, have you ever heard that? I think it's a Hillsong song. All I need is you, Lord. Have you heard that before? 
yield. So they're singing this, and my spirit is irritated. I thought, what is wrong with me? Why, why am I so irritated? And I just, I said, okay, Holy Ghost, you just flow. So this is so-and-so. This is Derek I from Chicago. I said, let's sing that again. All I need. And they're all you know, lifting their hands. And I started saying, it's a lie! It's a lie! It's a lie! They're all... I said, all you need is Jesus. I said, why did he give you a wife? Why did he give you a pastor? Why did he give you kids, you liars? All I need is the Lord, you bunch of devils. And I started talking like this. I said, you lady, you're a witch. And now everyone's like, because she's a witch. I said, if all you need is the Lord, then drop that and go see him for me. Hallelujah. I lay hands on you now. Speak death into you. I started talking like that. These people, they were just crazy. They were like, but they were so wicked. This one, I'll tell you how wicked they were. One guy, he would always promise the pastor, he's rich. The problem is he made all his money through drugs before he was saved. So he's wealthy through drug money, but now he's supposedly born again. The only problem is he had two families. He had an old wife and a young wife. The older, the older wife, he cheated on her, got a young girl pregnant. The girl he got pregnant was in the church with his kid. When the older, the original wife, I don't mean older like she's old, the original wife, when she found out, she went and found the apartment that he bought for his other woman. And this child... And she was so brokenhearted, she took a gun to her head and blew her brains out. Finished. The son finds out his mother kills himself. He takes his car and wraps it around a telephone pole and kills himself. This guy's in the church with no remorse whatsoever. So this is what I walked into. So I don't just do that everywhere. This is the kind of demonic wickedness. It exists, guys. That's why, that's why I'm, I'm on you to get the right church, to stay in government, because there's hell in the land. Okay? Okay, so we're kind of of coming around the mountain here to get to the point. So as I'm, I actually, you know, and mind you, I had a translator this whole time, because it's all Spanish. So you can imagine being my translator. She needed healing about every 30 seconds from a heart attack. I said, it's, it's okay, it's okay. Just say it. You're liars! <laughs> and she actually fainted, and, and they, she was out. So now I had a new one. I said, don't worry about her. We got some work to do. So this, I mean, they, so this evil guy, they're all pretty evil, but this guy was the most evil. At... at things started to shift because I wasn't that strong the whole time. It's like I had to shock them and now I'm like, okay, Jesus loves you. Right? And so what happened is this guy, he was the only one. He wasn't changing. And so I was, you know, can you say amen that I was doing one of those? You son of a... He he throws the water bottle at me. And he gets up and he's going to attack me. So this poor guy is thinking I'm going to turn the other cheek. Not after I knew what this guy was about. So he starts coming at me. 
And I start, so immediately, I wasn't even thinking. I, did, I, was, you know, I, I repented later. I said, sorry, Lord. I forgot. I, 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 so I started walking towards him. See, now, this is, what I want, this, is, uh, this is what I want you to get. Remember how I said the mugger? And, okay, so this guy, in his mind, he's an enemy. He's aggressive. He's evil. He's going to attack me. But when I responded with equal force, something snapped in his mind because he thought I was just going to take it because I'm a preacher. So he started coming at me. I said, oh, man, if you touch me, I'm going to put you down on this chair. I said, you will not. And he's, you know, at that point, he's like, what, what? And, he, and so he's, uh, he's just gone. Because he was filled with devils. So I didn't hurt him. I didn't touch. I don't want you to scare you. I didn't hit anybody. But the point is I didn't back down and I became more aggressive than him. So I'm not saying, I'm not asking you to go in churches and pick fights. But I'm saying that 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 picture, when he realized, if you you come after me, I'm going to attack you. You're not going to attack me. I'm attacking you. And that's, that's a proven fact in a fight. If, let's say, he starts to hit me and he's aggressive, and I start hitting him back, depending on how fast and how quick and how aggressive I do it, now all of a sudden the attacker becomes the victim. You understand? And that's what you've got to do with the devil. He's out to attack you, but you, and he wants you to be the victim. You need to victimize him. You need to make him so sorry he ever even thought about touching you. That's what John the Baptist, when he was beheaded, Jesus, he, he, he didn't just mourn. He went out, he started healing people. He started ministering to people. I'm telling you, the, the enemy regretted. He was so hurting that he, that he ever touched John. We've seen one come back from the dead. And I've also lost someone. And I tell you, when I lost, there was this young boy. And man, I was so angry. Because this kid... Cancer was eating his body, and we start, he started getting better. He was, he was not a member of our church. He's just in our town, friend of a friend. We started ministering to him, and then I'd go out and travel. And this kid was getting better, but he was surrounded with people that were convincing him, go to heaven, go be with Jesus. So he finally passes away. And I said, I, I sent my elders there because they were in the same town. I said, go to the house and start calling his spirit back. So they're there, and they're fighting, but they've got all this, all this garbage in the room. I said, I'm on my way. You know, I've lived in Chicago all my life, and that highway was blocked. Never has that happened. That was the devil. That's one of the, that says, Paul says, Satan hindered us. That's what it meant. Not because he's big, because he knows if you engage him with force and with determination. So I just said, because it hurts. And, there, and you've got to be real about that. As we start to do this, you're not going to win every battle. But when you lose a battle, you need to get up, and you need to keep doing it, and you need to make the devil sorry that he ever messed with you or anyone that loves you, or anyone that belongs to you, or whatsoever. Because as we're doing this, you're going you're gonna, to... It's fire and fire meeting. It's force. So you've got to be real about that. Amen? So I don't think, well, God didn't do it. I think, like I said, Lord, next time, I need to develop myself to just speak the word. Because in my mind, I need to get there. 
So does that God? No, I set that standard. So am I going to condemn myself? No, but I realize, okay, Lord, you're so good, you have more for us. Number one, you're a child till you go to work. The first element of the work is to destroy the works of the devil. Let's go to John chapter 4. That's why you look at all the great ones that God used. They experienced hardship and pain before miracles broke out. I don't believe it was God just breaking them. I believe they had to look for answers and they got determined and something rose up. Something rose up. Amen? That's why if, you're de- if you've been defeated, you're a prime candidate. I said you're a prime candidate for God to use you crazy. Believe God. You're not, you're not a loser. You're destined to win. You're destined to overcome. In fact, your destiny depends on you overcoming. Do you hear that? Your destiny depends on you overcoming. That's what it says in Revelation. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. So God's will for you is to overcome. And praise the Lord, we're not going to do it in our own strength. He's going to help us. There is aggressiveness, but we enter his rest. Amen? Before I go to John, let me... I just just popped up. I didn't get to it in Hebrews. Because remember, we were talking about victory and faith. You make a decision to obey the word. You act on it. A test comes. And then you have to confess. Let's talk about what that means. Because if we don't understand that, we'll prophesy and then dig up the seed. We'll make all these declarations and then we dig up the seed. Hebrews 4, we're back there again. So we talked about what it means to enter the rest, to colonize. The word must be mixed with faith. Faith, Verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. We who have believed enter that rest. You enter that colonization. You take that territory. How? By believing. Just as he said, as I sworn my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundations of the world, he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from his works. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. So we have to enter this rest. Amen? Look at verse 9. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That means we cease from our, our own works, so we enter his works. Amen? I must work while it is day. That's what Jesus said. Verse 10. This is what I want you to see. For the one who has entered his rest, how did you enter? By believing. The one that has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. And let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall through the following, the same example of disobedience. So to, un- to not believe is to disobey. Verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Our confession. For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Oh, isn't that wonderful? He knows what you're feeling. He knows. He has the same trials. He knows that. We, that he, he's been tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. But one who has been tempted in all things. Verse 16. 
Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. What are we talking about? The man said, have mercy on me. So we receive mercy at the throne of grace, not just mercy and forgiveness of sin. Are you hearing that? But, how did, but what do you have to do? Hold fast your confession. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have a full assurance that when you come to Him, you say, Father, I thank You. You hear me always. All of hell will try to make you think it's not true. I heard David Hogan say once that sometimes serving Jesus is like you get all the ice cream you want and other times you can't find help if you paid for it. Because sometimes, somehow we go through things. It's like some, one moment... It's just how life is. It's like people are there to help you, to undergird you. And then other times it's like somehow you're, you're alone in the battle. And that's why these things I'm teaching you are important for when you get in that place and there's no one around. You've got to know how to hold fast your confession. You've got to know how to lay hold of God. Let us hold fast our confession. That's in verse 23. Of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Not forsaking our assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Now let's go to John 4. So those are verses about confession. Jesus is called the high priest of our profession, or our confession. That means God expects you to confess and say what his word says. When, when I say the word confession, a lot of times people think about the negative side. Confess your sins to Him. Right? That's in 1 John 1, nine. Confess your sins to God. You know, confessing your sins to God doesn't mean listing your sins. Lord, I did this and I did that. Bless me, Father, I've sinned. I'm sorry. And you go, No, that's, that's, that's religious. That's not right. Confessing your sins means when you realize you're in sin, you miss the mark. You say, Lord, your word says this, and I agree with your word. I'm wrong, and I'm sorry, and I turn from this now, and I receive mercy. I receive forgiveness. I receive your grace. And you start walking out. You walk out of there in the righteousness of God, right with God. Otherwise, you're going to leak life all the time. Just like that woman with the issue of blood. So this is, this is key. Understanding righteousness. So, so far we've covered one aspect of work to destroy the works of the devil. Let's write down the second one. The work is to trust the nature. Trust the nature of the one who sent us. Trust the nature. That's found in John. Is it John 6 or John 4? John 6. Well, this is this will be good because I can... I didn't think I was going to get to the 5,000. We can hit that before we go. That's important. Okay, John 6, verse 29. Or... 
All right, let's do it this way. John 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Look at verse 2, John 6, 2. And great multitudes were following him. Why were they following him? Because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. We've got to be kidding ourselves if we think we're going to reach masses without miracles. Do not compromise. Don't believe that there's going to be some other way. That's what, what do you think the seeker-friendly movement is all about? They're reaching multitudes without the power. It's a substitute. What do we hear at GLS? No substitutes. That's exactly what it's talking about. Or one of the things it's talking about. So the Bible clearly tells us crowds were gathering to Jesus because they were seeing miracles. Is that what your Bible says? All right, so if you're a leader or if you're, you're going to be a leader, just write this down. Your ministry belongs to the crowd, but your life belongs to the few. Your ministry belongs to the masses, to the crowds, to the multitudes, but not your life. Your life is for your sons, for the three, for the twelve. Glory to God. The only way you can have a ministry to the multitudes is through bringing the power dimension. Amen? They were following him because of the miracles. Do you see it there? A great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs. In the Greek, it's attesting miracles. Attesting miracles, which he was performing on those who were sick. What, what did Jesus say was going to follow us? Signs. Now, I don't see a Coca-Cola sign in here. Or a McDonald's sign. Why would, has McDonald's ever called you guys to put a sign in here? I'm serious. Why would they not do that? Because it's not visible to the multitudes out there. So a lot of times we want to come to church to see signs and miracles. But God said they're going to happen out there. That's where they're supposed to happen. Not, you don't, you're not supposed to need a sign. They happen out there. But you won't grow until you go. Alright? Are you getting it? So they... Let, one more time. Let's read it. Great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Now skip down to verse 26. So he feeds the multitude, right? You remember, you remember the story? Verse 26, Jesus answered and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Wait a minute. Verse 2 says they were following because of the miracles. Jesus turns around and says, you're not following me because of the miracles. So which is it? Is the Bible contradicting itself? Do you see what I'm saying? Look at verse 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs. Look at verse 2. A great multitude was following him because they saw signs. Something happened in these people. The reason they were following Jesus changed. First, they were following him because they had needs. And they needed miracles. And they needed healing. Then the reason they followed him changed. He said, you didn't seek me. You're not seeking me now because you saw signs, but because you've been filled. So then he says, in this context, don't work for the food which perishes. Don't what? 
work. What is the work? Verse 29, this is the work that you believe in him who he sent. So work, believe. Believe, work. You're a child until you go to work. You're a child until you believe. To believe is to act. To believe is to do. Are you getting it? This is the work that you believe. Don't believe for the natural things. Only. That's why they, that's why they first came to him. They saw the miracles. So they're believing to have their needs met. They're believing, hey, he can heal me. He can help me. Let's go to church. There's a healing, there's a healing school there. We can get healed. That's okay at first. But then let the reason you seek him change. Don't just work for that. Don't believe for that. Let it change. What do you, what do you want to do? Believe or work for the food that doesn't perish. You understand? Look at verse 27. Don't work or don't believe for the food which perishes. For the what? The food. Milk, meat. All right, you, you, you'll get it. Don't work for the food which perishes. That, what would perish? Something that's natural. But for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him even God has set a seal. And they said therefore to him, What shall we do? That we may work the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him on, he, on whom he has sent. So the second aspect of work is to trust the nature of the one who sent us. Not just for your own needs to be met, but trust that God wants to use you to meet others' needs. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. You're the seed of Abraham. Let's, we don't have time to cover them all. I'll cover one more aspect of the work. It's found in First Peter. So obviously the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He'll continue to speak to you along this line. Amen. I'll just plant the seed and he's going he's gonna to do the rest. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 1, I think. Yes, chapter 1 in verse 23. Are you getting something? First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, you've been born again. I said you have been born again. Born again means born from above. Not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding Word of God. All flesh is grass, all, all its glory like the flower fades. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord abides forever. This is the word which was preached to you. So what's the other aspect of work? You need to, you need to trust the potency of the seed we carry. Trust the potency of the seed. Trust the nature of the one who sent us. Why his nature? Because his nature is connected to his willingness. Not just his will, his willingness to do what his word says. If, you're, if, you, if you fathers ask, if your son asks you for a fish, will you give him a stone? No. So he's willing. So you let that saturate you. God is willing. God is for me. Trust his nature. He's not going to pull the rug from out underneath your feet. He's not going to lead you into the wilderness to kill you. He's not, you know, that's, that's why God got angry with them. They said God's like Pharaoh. He's not like Pharaoh. Amen? So destroy the works of the devil, trust the nature, and then trust the potency of the seed. Let me show you in Acts 19 the potency of the seed. 
one aspect of it, and then we'll, we'll break for lunch. Acts 19. Remember, the seed will produce a harvest. Amen? He's in us. He's the Word. The Word has power to create. Amen? Acts 19. This is after Paul trains everybody in verse 11. And God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Because everyone else was doing it. Right? Let's look at this in verse 12. So that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Okay, first of all, it never said he even prayed for the handkerchiefs. I'm not saying you can't pray for it. I'm saying that what was emanating from Paul was called the Spirit of God. Are you hearing that? The Holy Spirit is in you. Your job is to not be a dam that blocks the river. Your job is to learn to let Him flow. And the more you learn to let that happen, just like every time, let's say, let's say in the mornings you pray, and you pray in the Spirit, and you're, you're generating spiritual power. You know, if you're sensitive, you can go in the house and find out where they pray. You walk in there, you feel it. Hey, this is where the man of God prays. Sometimes you get you get in a place and you start to have visions because that's what that person carries. Right? You slept in the prophet's bed, then you have dreams. You think, wow, hallelujah. It can happen this way. This is what's happening here. In Acts 19... Paul's walking this. He's mature. He's a mature son. You're a child to you. Go to work. What is the work? Destroy the works of the devil. Trust the nature of the one who sent us. Trust the potency of the seed that we carry. The Spirit of God in you is life. So the first thing you need to see is he didn't pray. Why is that important? I'm not saying we shouldn't pray, but it's important because what's contacting you is soaking up God. Right? That can happen. The second thing you need to see in this verse, because it says it was carried from his body. That's what I'm saying. It was carried from his body. All right. I don't have time to... We will get to this. I can start this in the next session because I will let you go in just a couple minutes. But this is what Jesus said. You remember Peter's shadow healed people? No, it didn't. It said that they brought people hoping that at least his shadow would touch them. It never said his shadow healed. They were trying to get them close enough because he's emanating the presence. So when you are stirred up and you're walking in this, it's like this is the length of your shadow approximately. It's like a bubble around you. But if your mind is set on the flesh, it's death. But if you're on him, mind is on him, you're stirred up, you're joyful on the Lord. Remember how I said you send out the dove? That's how you do it. You send out the dove because you're emanating this thing. Sometimes it's stronger than others. But the fact, the fact of the matter is, is that God wants to do this kind of stuff through us.
So it didn't say that Peter's shadow healed. He was emanating God's presence. Just like Paul was. It's another example. Amen? So this is our destiny. Someone say, this is our destiny. Hallelujah. It happens through different ways. That's why Charles Finney, they said, you know, the power of God can, can be communicated or emanated in different ways. Sometimes it's a laying on of hands. Sometimes it's just a look. Sometimes it's a spoken word. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. The word and the spirit. So you've got the word in you. You've got the spirit in you. Amen? So, so the first thing was that the spirit... All right, you can just write this down. We'll write down some truths that are in this verse. I already told you about the prayer aspect. It's important just to understand that God's in you. Amen? That's what I'm trying to tell you. God is in you. All right? The first truth we see is that the Spirit of God can be transferred. The Spirit of God can be transferred. Handkerchiefs and aprons, it's not like you have to have a prayer cloth and an apron. You can be a baseball hat, it can be a tennis shoe, it can be whatever. It's, it can be transferred into inanimate objects. Someone say the Spirit of God. Because he's not just a person, he's a substance. Right? How does it happen? By contact. That's the second thing. So this is, in effect, the law of contact and transmission. It's a type of laying on of hands because you touch, there's contact, there's something transmitted. So he could not get everywhere. So instead of his hands, it was handkerchiefs. But what activates it is faith. So let's say we can't get somewhere and we, and we, for our sake, for our terminology, we pray for this or we consciously release. That, I mean, that's a, that's a testimony that I read about Lake, that they were ministering in South Africa somewhere. Someone probably knows the details better than me, him and a partner. And they were too tired and there's too many people. They're becoming exhausted. They just lay hands on the pole, on a, on a wooden beam. So we transfer the Spirit of God into the beam. Whoever touches it is healed. And they've left and then people are getting healed from that. I know this may sound out there for you, but you'll get there because this is where we're going. Hallelujah. Only belief. Amen. So the spirit can be transferred. It's by contact. The spirit can be, number three, contained. Whatever number it is. Contained. It wasn't the handkerchiefs that healed. It was what was in the handkerchief. Is that what it says? So handkerchiefs or aprons were carried. Where were they carried from? His body. So what was in his body was coming out. That's, that is what Pentecost is all about. All right, that's why Jesus said, if your eye, if the, the lamp of the body is the eye. What? The, but the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. We'll cover that. He said, if your eye be single, how great will the light be in your body? It will emanate. The presence of God will flow out. Amen? Oh, it gets me excited to think of the potential we have in Christ. All right, so it can be contained. It was transferred. Uh, It was not partial. That's the next one. It was not partial or prejudice. Because it said the diseases left. 
evil spirits went out. It didn't matter what they had. The name of the devil didn't matter. The condition didn't matter. How long it was there didn't matter. It just said it left. So life pushes out death. It's just that simple. Life pushes out death. Spirit of God pushes out death. Everywhere the river flows will bring life. Amen? But God doesn't want paddle boats. He wants a battleship. Amen? you got to remember that. Hallelujah. The last thing, or uh, number five, I think it is, is that it had varied effects. So it wasn't partial. It had varied effects. If they had one specific sickness, that was healed. If they had something else, you know, it didn't matter because it had varied effects. In short, it did whatever it was needed to do. Whatever was needed, he's the helper. Come on, say, Holy Ghost. Let's stand on our feet. Father, I pray right now. We come to you. We come to you in faith. We come to you with sincere hearts. Father, we come in full assurance of faith. Lord, we thank you that what you've planned for us, what you've designed for us, Lord Jesus, what you purchased for us through your death, through your resurrection, through the stripes on your back, through the side that was pierced, through, Lord, the nails in your hands and your feet. Lord Jesus, you're the Lamb of God, and you purchased our forgiveness. You purchased mercy. You're our substitute. You took everything. You took all our sin. You took all our sickness. You took all our disease, and you carried it away. And we thank you, Lord. And not only, not only did you do that, Father, but because we're sons of God by faith in you, you sent forth the Spirit of your Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Father, help us to grow up. Help us, Lord, to understand what it means to be mature sons. Father, we believe this is, our, this is our inheritance. Father, it's not a long way off. It's not far off. Lord, the, the beginning of it is right now. We thank you that you can use us right now. We thank you that, Lord, you're filling us with faith. We're, and we're faithful, faith-filled, and powerful. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that the dominion is through Christ. We're not going to try to attain this. There's nothing to attain. There's nothing to work for. There's only to grow. There's only to, only to believe, only to walk and act on what you have already provided and said because this is your will. You want to help and reach this lost and dying world. Father, you've called us to be, to be saviors in Zion. You said that in the last days, saviors will arise. Deliverers will arise from Mount Zion. Lord, I thank you. Zion is coming down upon the church. We're entering that dimension. And, and there's so many things in there, Lord. But one of the things you said, saviors will arise. Oh, saviors will arise. Hallelujah. Redeemers will arise. We thank you, Lord. Deliverers will arise. Made in your image, in your likeness. Lord Jesus, you're the firstborn among many brethren. You are the firstborn among many brethren to bring many brethren unto glory. Father, not just to heaven, but here, here on this side. So, Father, we confess we believe. We believe. We believe. We believe you want to do this. We believe that you're not just going to do it. You are doing it. You're doing it presently. It's happening now. It's happening. As we speak, it's happening. Before we speak, it's happening. As we leave, it will happen. It will continue to happen. We thank you, Lord. I thank you that the church in Australia and New Zealand will reach critical mass. Father, critical mass. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Lord, I can see that so clearly in my heart as you're showing that to me right now. The branches of the, of the tree are spreading out, Lord. Just like J.R. and I were talking, the branches are spreading. And Lord, it's going to begin to cover. It's going to begin to cover our nation and cover this land. And Father, it's going to begin to be like a shield and like a canopy. Your proceeding word over the nation. Your proceeding word over this region. Darkness will be pushed out. Death will be pushed out. Sin will be pushed out. Sickness will be pushed out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that our, that our cities will be the healthiest cities around. Hallelujah. Not, not because they're special, but because your word is there. Because your light is there. Because wherever the river flows, there will bring life. It can bring life in any situation. You said that it will be like the garden of God. It will be like the Garden of Eden. Thank you, Lord, that as we speak this word, Lord, your, your, your word is in us. It's taking root in us. Father, let your word lay hold of us right now. Oh, let's just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, let it lay hold of us. We lay hold of your word. We receive it right now. That's right. Pray in the Spirit. Just let God saturate you with this. Hallelujah. We thank you that we're going to learn how to emanate your presence. In the name of Jesus, O oh, Spirit of the living God, Lord Jesus, we thank you. We will not lack any good thing. We will not lack in power. We will not lack in gifts. We will not lack in miracles. We will not lack in souls. We will not lack in disciples. We will not lack in wealth. We will not lack. You are the Lord our shepherd. We shall not want. We shall not want any good thing. We shall not want affection. We shall not want joy. We shall not want wealth. You are our joy. You are our healing. You are our fellowship. You are our friend. You are our shield. You are our exceeding great reward. You are our silver. You are our gold. You are our meat. You are the milk. You are everything. You're the old and you're the new and you're life and you're, and you're breath. You're everything to us, oh God. And we thank you, Lord. We belong to you. Oh, we belong to you. Oh, we give you praise for victory. Hallelujah. I want you to just make up your mind that every day from now on will be a day of victory. Every day will be a day of victory. Another day of victory. Another day of victory. Even if you make a cha meet a challenge, head on. You'll be victorious in that challenge. The Lord of hosts is with you. The Lord of hosts is with you. You shall not be afraid. The Lord of hosts is with you. He is your strength. He is your exceeding great reward. He is a shield unto you. He is the glory and the lifter of your head. Oh, Father, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Let's give him a shout of praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.